Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. There is a place where time stands still. Where nature is harsh and demanding. Where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. I want my land. All you've got to do now is pass the Australian culture test. Three simple questions, three correct answers, and together? you go through that doorway to the greatest little country in the world. Good morning, everybody. This is Annie for Showreel, a little look at the Australian film industry. And uh, thank you very much for those people who donated to Showreel, keep Showreel on the air for another year. But of course, uh, 3CR itself has not reached its target and some of the programs still need some support. So if you've uh, got some change, got some dollars, got some uh, goodwill, then uh, throw it our way. Uh, we're our lines are always open to your uh, your uh, monetary flattery. Uh, coming up uh, today, we're going to be looking at a film by Clayton Jacobson. You'll remember that Clayton was uh, intimately involved in the creation of the massive hit, Kenny. Well, his new film, which also stars him, as well as Shane Jacobson, his brother, is called Brother's Nest, and it's... Quite a different kind of flavour, but it's an equally interesting and uh, really, really interesting film. Uh, it's really worth seeing, and it it starts next week, so I think in cinemas. But uh, this is my chat with Clayton Jacobson, who turns out to be a very interesting fellow. Congratulations on your film. Uh, I saw it as being a blend of Brother Kazimov and. Uh, a bit of Kill Bill. Is that what you were aiming oh, wow. for? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, that, that, neither of those came to mind when I was making the film, but that's interesting. Um, it's always interesting to hear what, how people you know, respond to it and what they compare the film to. We've been compared to some pretty interesting filmmakers, and um, uh, yeah, Tarantino hasn't been one of them to date, but it's certainly we've, we've had you know, people uh, talking about Hitchcock, you know, I think, you know, and, and I can see the reason why they might think that for films like, you know, Rope or um, The Trouble with Harry, you know, those kind of films, you know, are sort of in the same, you know, wheelhouse that we were, we were trying to uh, make the film. But, but Fargo was the, was the one that people seem to compare it to the most. And, and, you know, and I do wear those references on my sleeve. Um, so, yeah, but I wasn't thinking Kill Bill. Yeah, but it's the, it's the Dostoevsky element that really is appealing to me. Yeah, oh, good. <laughs> I'll gladly put that on the list. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you, you're the writer and the director, aren't you? Yeah, I, I, I uh, co-produced the film and, and uh, I, I directed it and, and acted in it with Shane. Um, I wrote the um, the shooting draft, but no, the actual script was the main body of the work was was written by Jamie Brown and uh, and Chris Parlow. 
and um, and uh, you know uh, Jamie gets the main credit for the for the uh, writing, but uh, Chris Palo came in and did some additional material writing with us. And you know, as is often the case with scripts, you know, it usually goes through a few. Uh, permutations and sort of a few different hands to just bring in different flavours. And of course, when a director comes on board, they always like to sort of imbue a script with, with some of their own personality. And in, and in our case, um, we were very lucky because Jamie wrote it for Shane and Shane and myself in mind. So it was it was tailored to our kind of way of um, you know the rhythms of our speech from the get go because Jamie actually comes from the similar sort of neck of the woods as us. Um, and then Shane and I spent a couple of Couple of, you know, about a week um, workshopping it together, and then I locked myself in my shed for about four weeks to do the final uh, shooting draft, and then and then we just put it through the put it back to the writers for just a final tweak, and we we're up and running. And did you find that it was less was more? Th- that less was more. Mm. Um, I'm always looking for ways of. Um, I do subscribe to the theory of you know a look can 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 be more valuable than a thousand words. So I am. I also love dialogue when it's rhythmic, and when it when a line of dialogue can say more than you know when there's more going on than the sum of its parts. You know where you know if 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 a character is talking about one thing, that you know there's an undercurrent of it meaning something else. I'm I'm always looking for layers. You know colours, tones. You know. And I, I used to live in the bush, and I found uh, the. Uh a uh, house that you shot it in uh, to yep. be a terrific uh, backrock for the whole event, events yeah, that follow. It it's a great house. I, I, I miss it. <laughs> we, we went back there to get some shots of it not so long ago, and, and, uh, and I, I just loved being back there. And it was, it was great. We all look forward to everyday shooting because it was such an interesting, colourful home with so much character. You know, it... It really, it just dripped with personality, and and we loved the man that sort of owned it. You know, um, Bill was an old um, meteorologist, and he would give us hourly updates on the weather, so we always knew when the rains were coming. <laughs> and he just had this fantastic manner about him, and he'd make us all cups of coffee. And he, he we, we tried to put him up in a hotel or in, you know, somewhere decent. He just said, no, no, just get me a caravan. I just want to live. I want to live on the location and be around you guys. So. A caravan. So he insisted. So we, we got him a caravan, and he, he lived on his own property in a caravan. And when we turned up at 5.30 in the morning to have our breakfast, Bill was sitting there with the rest of us having breakfast with us. And, uh, and he had two stipulations. We weren't, allowed to, um, uh, we weren't allowed to upset or move any of the cobwebs, because he loves the character of the house as well. And we weren't allowed to touch the brown snake that lived with him in the front, under the front porch. And the <laughs> second... Uh, that is so classic. Was a, was a little uh, terrifying. Luckily, we were shooting in winter, so he was hibernating or asleep. But yeah, apparently he's had this brown snake sort of living with him for twenty years. <laughs> so how long was the shoot? About five weeks. About five and a half weeks. Probably just enough. The other thing I want to compliment you on is the great cast, the actors. Very good. Yeah, we were so lucky. Um, Kim Gingell, I just love. I've worked with him before. It was funny. I actually, on the on the day of the first shooting, I I, I realised. I went, oh god, the last time I worked with Kim, I put him in a film where he got terrorised by an environmental terrorist, <laughs> and I thought, I've got this bloody habit of putting poor old Kim, you know, under in in in, in siege situations. But he is a great actor, and he brought some depth 
and um, and 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 mystique to the character that I really loved. You know, we spend the first sort of you know um, you know third of the film hearing the boys talk about this man, and you know you've got to make sure that when he turns up, he can live up to what we're hearing. And I think Kim really does knock it out of the park. And of course, Lynette Curran is just fantastic. And um, and we were very very lucky that Sarah Snook was happy to come on board. So we've got a great cameo with uh, Sarah. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, the uh, tell us about why you decided to do this uh, idea. Well, first and foremost, the script. You know, if I if I can read a script and see it and get a charge out of reading it, like you can usually tell pretty quickly. I've read so many scripts over the the last you know thirty five years. Um, you can. I mean, I usually give a script about forty pages. Yeah. So if, if a script isn't engaging me within the first 40 pages, then there's something wrong. Because, you know, generally speaking, you know, the beginnings of films should all be pretty interesting because, because the beginning of any movie is, you know, putting forward the, the proposition that something interesting might happen. And so I always give, you know, I always assume that the first 10 to 15 pages will probably be interesting. It's the next you know, 25 pages or 20 pages after that, that where you start to think, oh, I think, you know, but when I read this script, it was a page turner. And, uh, and, I, and the fact that it also had been written for Shane and myself was just really exciting. And uh, when I, I, I phoned up Shane, I said, Jamie Brown's written a film when he wants, it's, he's written it, the, the, char- the characters in the original draft were Clayton and Shane. And <laughs> That's said, a bit just, spooky just, considering what actually happens. Not cool, I'm not... I'm not calling my brother Shane in this movie because of what goes on. <laughs> I'm not doing it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so, uh, but it, it was, it was written as a Clayne and Clayne Shane. So uh, that was high, really quite uh, flattering, uh, a little frightening when you read what happens in the film. But, um, but yeah, so that was, that was really, um, you know, it, it, it was, as soon as I read the script, I became a fan and a champion for it. I, I wanted that, you know, I wanted others to see it, you know. You know, it's interesting. On I don't know if you saw this Icelandic film that came out. I think it was last year called yes. Ram. Rams, very much so. Loved that movie. And I'll let you know. I actually was. Um, th- there was a remake that was going to be made of that film. I don't know if it still is, but I was um, I was brought into um, pitch on a remake of that film, and I loved that movie. Mm. So um, I'm glad you mentioned Rams. I'm really glad you mentioned it because. It was a film that, you know, I love the humanity of that film. And it's the sort of thing that I like doing. And I did it with Kenny as well. I, I, like, I like taking what is seemingly a, a fairly nothing premise and then um, just juicing as much humanity out of it. And that film was just riddled with fabulous characters. And, 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 and again, uh, two characters, two brothers that clearly love each other but have just had a falling out. And... Uh, yeah, great movie. Loved it. Yeah, which is uh, sort of uh, similar in a way to this, but yes. the the level of uh, depth uh, uh, in the struggle between the two characters of these two brothers is uh, particularly beautifully played out. Uh, oh, great! Thank yeah, you. they're they're they're, um, they're flaws. Yes, well, you know, I think you know we are complex creatures. You know, we 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 are really you know you. you Give a monkey an ego, and you 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 end up with a very strange planet, and that's what we've what's what's happened with us. We're, we're, we're we are really strange creatures, and we're complex, and um, and and people don't just think in, in in black and white. You know, there's 
you know, most of our lives is grey, grey area, you know. You have black and white moments. You have moments that are defining in your life, that are, that are, that are, that are, that are intrinsically very focused and real. But for the most part, we're all just swimming around trying to make sense of it all. And you know, and then you step in, you step in something. You think, oh my God, you know, I didn't, I, I had no idea this was going to snowball into the nightmare it is. Or how, you know, who, who would have thought we were going to have the kind of ride we had with Kenny? We never saw that coming. You know, it's just there is a lot of grey area. And and these two boys have sadly saturated themselves in in um, in a lot of misconceptions about the world that they believe they inhabit. And um, and those misunderstandings um, really come come to uh, come into focus in, in, in you know in, in the duration of this film. Yeah, because all of the motivations are actually quite clearly because you, you know to begin with you're sort of thinking to yourself, how could you have possibly decided to do this? But actually, it all is all so uh, su- sutured together, so beautifully, even down to the motivations of uh, uh, childhood resentments that have ballooned into something quite gothic. Yes, yeah, very much so. And I think, I think uh, prisons are riddled with little boys that needed more loving. Mm. You know, I, I think you know. So much of the world's ills, sadly, uh, you know, I think the percentage, you know, the, the majority of the world's worst behaviour is usually generated by men uh, that have, um, you know, it's bad parenting and, you know, um, and misunderstood youth, you know. It's, uh, so, I, you know, I, I, it's why I have, I, I like, I, I like films where all the characters are not, not seen as either good or bad, but just complex, and 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 that, that's how I saw these guys. I, I do love that no matter what happens in this film, their love for each other is solid. It's just, it's just they have they have talked themselves into a, into, into riddles, you know, that they can't seemingly can't unwind themselves from, you know. My name's Molly Reynolds, and I make documentaries like Another Country, and I support Three CR because. It is a radio station that once you start listening to, you can't stop. And you're on Showreel with Annie, and we're talking to Clayton Jacobson about his film Brother's Nest, which is a great film. And uh, it's quite sobering, that last piece that he was just mentioning, considering that uh, Eurydice's Nixon's funeral is probably going on right at this moment. Uh, Of course, uh, this is the unspeakable uh, death from last week. But anyway, let's move on on to uh, what Clayton Jacobson has to say about Brother's Nest, which you really should go and see. Oh, sorry. Congratulations. Oh, I pressed wrong button. Now, this is actually almost a quintessentially Australian film in so many ways. But like Rams, it potentially has universal appeal. I'm hoping so. I'm hoping that it, it does because of these things that we're discussing, you know, the things of family values and family validation and the, dis, you know, the family dysfunction. Um, I, I, univer, they are universal themes. And, and um, you know, it's, uh, I, I, I'm hoping that the film will translate uh, internationally. But I am first and foremost just thrilled that we've got another film made here and... Um, and I am proud of it as an Australian film. I have a, 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 it's interesting because when you when you make a film like this, I, I, all I'm really trying to do is be as truthful as I possibly can be to myself. 
about how I see the world. And you're not always aware of how much of that drips into the film. And we certainly were not discussing Australiana when we were making this movie. You know, we, weren't, we weren't talking about this being a quintessential Australian film. We just wanted to make it as, as believable and as realistic and as, as valid um, to our own experiences and, and, and to how we felt these, these characters would be if they actually existed. Um, but last night at one of the screenings, I had this, and it's what I find interesting about this. Often, it's it's new Australians, or, you know, that, that will say this. I had this Greek guy come up to me, and he said, "Hey, uh, mate, I just want to say how great it was. You know, I really, you boys keep making these Australian films. You know, you make very Australian films, and it's interesting. It's I think what he's responding to is our vernacular. You know, the the, the vernacular that Shane and I have is very old." Aussie, I think, and that comes from our dad and our uncles that were old carnage stock, you know, and we're we're old working class boys from from Melbourne, and so I think that just naturally bleeds into our work. Um, so it's not it's not by design. No, 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 but that's yeah. why it's so great because yeah, right. that I mean, the, being self conscious about character is the death knell, but. Even down to, because I, I was brought up in the country, even I was just blown away by the uh, car um, boneyard. <laughs> yeah, the graveyard's fantastic. It's really great. And, um, and I also love the fact that the mother character clearly had a thing for collectors. You know, the, 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 the father was into cars and this new guy's into radios. Um, and, you know, it's, um, my, my, I, I've known my, uh, my partner since I was a, a two-year-old. Uh, my parents and her parents were friends, and they ran an orchard uh, up in Murchison, uh, which is in Victoria. And so I, I have spent most of my life, you know, uh, being a part of her world as well. And so that whole country mentality is very much ingrained in my thinking as well. And, um, you know, those closed communities, you know, there's a lot of, you know, I think, you know, there's probably been a little too much isolation for these two boys in, in, their, in their upbringing. Um, but I, I do love the look of the film, and uh, we were just so blessed with the location. We really were. The violence, the level of violence where it where it twists. Uh, tell us yeah. about how that happened, and uh, it's very realistic. It is, and it, and and, that, and and I wanted it to be um, realistic, and I wanted it to be messy, and and me, not messy bloody because it's not really that bloody. But it is it's, messy. It's messy and awkward. And what, what it is, and this is the way I explain it, was sort of interesting working with Russell, our stunt coordinator, because, you know, the want is always to do a cinematic fight sequence. Yeah. And, and I just kept saying, I, I think, and I, I certainly got this from watching Coen Brothers films, is generally in life, things are messy. Um, you know, if you try to, you know, I, I've seen, when, when you see a fight in public, and, and I have seen oh, a yeah. It's, it's, it's ugly and messy, and yeah. people are tripping over things and falling backwards into a chair, and it's, it's certainly nothing like I've seen in a, in a Charles Bronson movie or in a Clint Eastwood film. It's, it's usually a lot of fumbling and kicking and grabbing and pulling. But I actually said to the stunt crew on this, I said, look, I want you to imagine this fight between these two boys to basically be the kind of fight you would see between two brothers that were seven and eight years of age, seven or nine, you know, they fight hard. If you watch brothers, young boys, young teenage brothers fighting each other, it's pretty, pretty hard. Now, let's push that to their adult life. And what if, what if that was the case? Now, I'll tell you a funny story. I won't mention names, but there was one of the crew members of the film 
um, in the post-production, he saw the film. And he said that he was really taken by uh, the authenticity of the film. And he was thinking about it all the way home. And when he got home, he heard all this ruckus inside the house. And he said, I kid you not, this has never happened with my boys. He said, I've got a 19-year-old and a 17-year-old. And when I got home after seeing your film, they were fighting each other in the lounge room and their mother was trying to beat them off each other with a broom. <laughs> and he said, they were trying to kill each other. They were literally trying to kill each other. Um, but they love and adore each other. And so I, that was the sort of, that was the impetus for me in this film, is that it's just, you know, those pent-up relationships. You know, I didn't have a lot of time for my brother when I was younger. He was seven years younger than me. I was 17, and he was, you know, he was 10. And that's a huge gap between, you know, I think I find siblings that really usually have a great relationship are, um, are usually about two or three years apart, not, not seven and beyond. Yeah, you know? because they live the same, have the same memory. Yeah, yes, and they're also part of the same pop culture, and you know all of their experiences have been similar. And they, you know, whereas, uh, but what, what's been really interesting with Shane and I is as we've as we've got older, we've become closer and closer, and become really great mates. You know, we're just you know, and colleagues, and you know, I love making. I've actually got a bit of a thing for making. You know, I love making being creative with my family. Mm. I think there's no greater joy. Oh, well, there was the recent film about, uh, um, it's not my dog, uh, whatever the film was, about jokes. Yeah, and look, what I loved about that film, I, I, went, to, I went and saw the film with my dad, and he's in it with yeah. Shane, and, and the, the whole, and Dean Murphy, God love him, sort of made the film a bit of an ode to my father, and, um, and I, I leant over, and I got a little bit emotional watching the film, because I, 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 no one else would sort of know this, but... So much of Shane and my life has been the storytelling and jokes from my father. And I just went over and I said to him, Dad, this is a beautiful gift to you from Shane. You know, it's very entertaining and very funny, but at the end of the day, this is a really lovely gift, you know, uh, to you. And he said, I know, I know. And shut the, he said, shut the hell up and let me watch the movie. And I said, okay. No worries, <laughs> <laughs> Stop this sentiment. Stop this sentiment. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know, in regards to the violence, there was a film in the 80s, a, a, a Japanese film, about this man that went around murdering people. And uh, it, one of the things, elements in it was that uh, he uh, stabbed somebody in a, in a truck. And it, what, how hard it is to actually kill someone. Yes. <laughs> yep. People don't realise it's... Um Look, it's, you know, one of the other things with this is I had a friend that I went to school with, you know, I won't mention names, but he, um, he was, we thought he was going to be a great kind of achiever. And it, he became an accountant, got, got involved in, in drugs, and next thing we, we knew, he was up for murder. That, they, that he and a friend had tried to, um, to, to, to kill someone. And, um, and um, we were just all blown away. And then when we heard the, the details of what had transpired, it was lunacy. And clearly, he wasn't right uh, when this was all happening. He was clearly under the influence, and, and they were doing things that just made no sense. And, you know, um, there's humour in that as well. You know, there's humour in that as well. And that's what we, we wanted in this film. We wanted it to feel very real, but to be awkward, and, and to be kind of funny as well, because... There's a lunacy to this, you know. We had one person at, at one screening say, why, why did they go through those three rehearsals, you know, and you know, <laughs> why didn't they just choose one? And then someone else in the theatre stood up and said, they're imbeciles. And I said, he's right, they're imbeciles. Yeah. 
But it's just stepping over the line. That's what it's really about, isn't it? It's about yes. stepping over the line. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, it was it was the most fun that Shane and, Shane and I have had together making this film. And I, I really think that it's a, a film that will surprise people. And um, and uh, don't be put off by what we're saying about, you know, the violence or anything like that. It's not the sort of violence you, 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 you can't look at. It's, it's, you know, you're not going to run from the, the cinema screaming. It's not that. It's, it's, uh, it, it, it's, all, it's all palpable and all digestible. And, um, and, and again, just going back to that sort of thing of the roller coaster, you know, I, make, I do make sure that the ride comes to a gentle end. Yeah, and, that's uh, right. That's and, right. And Everything will, falls back in place. Yeah, and you will step off the ride with a few giggles and... Um, I'm not going to leave you hanging in the wind. Well, it's yeah. quite interesting to have Shane Jacobson being a, um, a slightly uh, less than hilarious fellow. Look, he's just—I'm—I'm I'm so proud of his performance in this. You know, like he went—he surprised the hell out of me. You know, there were moments, um, and and that was the thing that we said to one another. We said, let's let's really try and surprise one another. And there there are some moments in this film where I, I just remember watching the split, or I was either in a scene with him thinking my god you know i did not expect this you know and i'm you know i know him really well i mean it's we've got that thing that brothers have where you don't have to talk you know like i'm sure crew the crew thought we were insane some of the times because they'd hear conversations like you know i think yeah yeah yeah, no 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 and And people say they didn't actually say anything what are they they didn't say anything there wasn't even a sentence in any of that what are they talking about and then the next take yeah i think that was good yeah you're right i think that do you want me to do yeah do yeah yeah exactly and people just said, these, these guys are totally off their tree. And there's nothing that even resembles a sentence here. But we knew what we were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's a terrific film. I, I, I think it should do well, and, and it should. Well, good on you. Thank you so much for your support. and I'm so glad you, um, you enjoyed it. Yeah, thanks for talking to me. And thanks for mentioning Rams, too, because, you know, it's a really great film. I, I, I love the relationship between those two, two, two brothers in that film. Well, well, that's right, because, you know, two middle-aged brothers, mm. uh, and uh, it was a completely gripping film, and it's the same with this one. Uh, they, you picked unlikely, uh, non-dazzling um, characters, the yeah. overlooked people. Absolutely. And, 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 you know, it's interesting because when I was pitching on remaking Rams, I, 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 you know, I was talking to Shane about the idea of us both playing it as brothers because I really empathised with those two characters. And so when this script came along, it was just like, well, if I can't do Rams, this is, this is certainly... You the know, next best thing. Yeah, this is the next best thing, and it's certainly in the same wheelhouse. So yeah. uh, this is a very funny... Very funny, dark moments in, in, in Rams as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Thanks, mate. Okay, take care. Bye. Bye. Yeah, well, that was uh, Clayton Jacobson, and he was talking about a film that should be out next week, Brother's Nest, which I recommend, highly recommend. It's a terrific film. Uh, coming up next is Published or Not, and uh, we're going to go out with uh, Kate Vigo, Vigo number. She's a, a lovely singer, lovely local singer. Her name's should be on everybody's lips. It's called Don't Explain. Hush now, don't explain. 
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.